I had a, a friend listen to the podcast and she said, oh, it's it's I enjoyed it. It's good. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm I'm that deeply engrossed as you are, but I can appreciate that you appreciate them. Oh, what a nice friend. <laughs> she thinks you're a lunatic, but she's a nice friend. Yeah, that, that's the nice way of saying what you do is a bit nuts, but I appreciate that you do it. <laughs> yes, and please carry on and don't be offended if I don't listen ever again. <laughs> yes, please carry on quietly somewhere else. Uh, what's happening in Northern Ireland? Then? Uh, not a lot. The bank buildings are still burnt. Uh, very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from that, it seems to be relatively quiet. We had the heaters on in the car for the first time this morning, uh, which is a good signifier that the weather is about to change. Uh, so it's it's decidedly autumnal. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit like that. We've had uh, a couple of cool days and then it's sort of warmed up again and I think we're now cooling off again. Yeah. So early mornings, it's, uh, yeah, I've definitely got sleeves on when I set off for the office. Mm, yes, the, we're, we're approaching the colder seasons, the snowy seasons, which is... Uh, you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you're not approaching, you're approaching all around sunshine. Exactly, I'm running away. <laughs> well, you know, I'll I'll brave the snow for both of us. I'll send you pictures of snow. I'll send you some snow in the post. <laughs> Thank you very much. Only an Irishman could say that. <laughs> so, you appear to be writing, based on my show notes, on something a little bit different today. Yeah, I've... Um, I've uh, Elemental um, was a Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, A5... Uh, notebooks with dot grid pages um it's i believe it's 100 gsm give or take and uh the covers have a distinctly chemical feel so they're all named after elements um i think there are about five of them and i bought them not really for commercial reasons but because i like i've got a notebook problem um (laughs) first time yeah then listening to the pen addict uh, somebody uh, whose name currently escapes me had done a review um, sort of highlighting how poor these were for fountain pens, which was a bit disappointing because they were sort of touted as being good for fountain pens in, in the campaign. Ah, see, that's where you went wrong. If you say you're good for something, you got to be good for it. Well, that was the thing. So I busted this one out um, and started you know, uh, pulling out my pens again because I've been quite... Yeah pencil centric of late i've noticed um and um it writes really well for me um uh, it's handling what i would consider pretty wet pens and big nibs um with with a great deal of aplomb um hmm. so i can only conclude that there there might be a little bit of uh, inconsistency uh, in the paper or in the measurement uh, well yeah i mean you know it's you don't want to be that guy that turns around and says, well, mine's fine, so you must be wrong. <laughs> um, you know, the, the person doing the testing, uh, you know, runs runs a, a fountain pen blog and I suspect knows exactly what she's talking about. Yeah. Um, and so I believe her that, that hers uh, were feathering and were bleeding mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lot of show through and all the things that, that pen people get very upset about. Um, but I have none of them. Now, She's using the hydrogen book, which has got a sort of grey cover. Um, 
and I'm using the Oxygen book, which has got the blue cover. So I suppose that could be it. Yeah. Um, but I believe they're supposed to have the same paper in them. So uh, there you go. Uh, that's what got me started on it. And it is lovely, smooth paper. It's right up my alley. I'm I'm a fan of Rodea. Yes. So this is very similar. Um, writing in a Rodea in, right in now? Feel. Yeah. So I'm... Um, and with that, I sort of rediscovered my pens and started playing with nibs <laughs> and inking up. And uh, so I've now got about six fountain pens inked up. Oh, wow. Uh, but I'm writing with a stub nib. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, mm. You sort of, as the name might suggest, you sort of chop the end off the nib. Um, and it's great for writing. They used to be called italic nibs. Oh, so, more like calligraphy. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. But I didn't know that was what it, the nomenclature eludes me. Yeah, they tend to be now um, 1.1 mil stubs or 1.5 mil stubs, and okay. you get a lot of variation. So the up-down stroke is um, a lot broader than the left-right stroke or right-left yes. stroke, if you like. Um, so it gives a little bit more uh, angularity to the writing. I quite like um, oh, Okay, I discovered that completely by accident, but um, <laughs> I, I am a bit of a fan of them now. Yeah, lovely. So, Good stuff. So to, to round it out, I am writing with a Twisby uh, 580 uh, AL, which is the aluminium version, which is a very um, uh, inexpensive pen made by Twisby, who made a sort of massive entrance into the world of fountain pens a few years back. Uh, they make clear pens, so you can see the ink. Yes, I have seen them before. Uh, I don't own any. Um, and they're piston fillers, and they're just cool little pens, really. They're, they're completely user serviceable as well, so you can take them apart and re-grease the parts and get all technical. But mm. obviously, some people can do that. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and I'm using a Mont Blanc uh, limited edition ink called JFK, oh. uh, which is very nice, sort of, as you might expect, Stars and Stripes blue. Uh, really nice. So, the, I mean, the ink is not Stars and Stripes it's no, just blue. Just, it's just blue. It's oh, okay. just that blue that you would see in the, the American flag. It's a really nice, rich, rich blue. I love it. Oh, okay. See, so, yeah, ink is one you? of those things that I just have not explored to any great depths whatsoever. Uh, I, somewhat predictably, I'm writing with a pencil. Uh, Koenor mm-hmm. 5219, which is a yellow clutch pencil, uh, which I bought on my travels in Prague. It's got a little integral sharpener and clutch pencils so it's not mechanical you press the button on the back and the lead drops and you are forced to select your own height uh very nice little pencil i have a 2b lead in it uh, which is still going from when i bought it in prague about three or four years ago uh, they last cool. a long time and then i finally finally changed notebooks so i'm now in a field notes east coastal all oh, right. Well, that that should see you to the end of twenty eighteen. I would have thought, at least, if not the end of the century, who knows? <laughs> uh, but yes, I started that the other day, and uh, it just happened to be what I had in my office when I needed a new notebook. And then the very next day, these lovely Nomad notebooks that you sent me arrived, and I thought, hmm, if only I'd waited. If only I'd waited <laughs> one more day. <laughs> so well. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm writing a few bits and pieces. I'm trying to write more. And I actually wrote with a ballpoint pen yesterday, <gasps> which was uh, actually not bad. Quite a quite a nice feeling. Uh, ballpoint pen on paper is, is pretty good, especially if you've got nice notebook paper. So that was uh, a few notes last night. But for the majority of it, 
pencil on paper. Right now I'm writing our show notes in the Rhodia number eight with the Blackwing pentagonal pencil. Okay, yeah, the 10,001. That's the one. There's, the number is in uh, Japanese kanji, so I can't remember what it was, but I knew there was a one in it, but 10,001 sounds about right. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think you're right. No, I think, I think, I think you're right, right yeah. Uh, so I'm writing the, our show notes. The Coastal is a nice book as well. It's nice paper. Yeah, it's lovely paper. The, the grid is quite heavy, I've noticed, and I, mm-hmm. I know that's criticism from a lot of people was that the grid is too heavy. I sure. don't mind because I tend to write with two Bs and lower, so it does show up but over, but sometimes if you pick the wrong pencil, it can be lost a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, all good on this end. Okay, so what's the next one? Uh, watching. Are you watching anything good? Uh, yesterday I went to the cinema and I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, which was like the last showing of that film before it goes out of the cinema. Uh, it's the latest Marvel flick. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's Paul Rudd uh, is, is the titular Iron Man, uh, not Iron Man, Ant-Man. But some really fun tech, some really good characterization. Uh, I kind of, the Marvel films have gotten a, bit, a little bit stale for me because it's just kind of the same thing over and over and over. But uh, this one was quite funny and the, the comedy was a, of a different vein. So I mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It's good, good flick. Uh, nice, just sort of action movie blockbuster. I uh, didn't have to think too hard, but enjoyed thoroughly the, the story that they told. Uh, so that was last night. Excellent. Totally good. Um, well, unusually for me, I have been watching a bit of TV. Oh. Um, there was a... Uh, if I do watch any TV, it tends to be in the uh, nine o'clock in the evening slot. Uh, the BBC uh, put out dramas. Well, everybody puts out dramas this time of year. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there was one that was heavily sort of uh, uh, pushed, uh, hyped, you could say, called mm-hmm. The Bodyguard. Uh, which is, uh, as you might imagine, it's about a guy guarding a body. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's ex-military, now police, and he ends up one way or another being the bodyguard for the Home Secretary. Oh. Um, and uh, my TV, uh, to borrow a Billy Connolly joke, my TV is kind of covered in, in beer foam um, from me shouting at it. Um, it's, I, I mean, I'm not, I am not that guy who is really, really fussy about detail. Uh, I'm, I'm prepared to buy into a conceit as much as the next man or yeah. indeed as much as the next woman. Um, but when some things happen that are so glaringly not feasible <laughs> that it sort of, you know, pulls you out of the narrative yeah. and makes you think, huh, are you sure? <laughs> Um, and, and this, <laughs> this program sort of starts in that vein. And I will give it this. It is consistent. It consistently comes up with completely unbelievable actions. Um, yeah. Choose and, A, B, and, and has, C, and you choose one. <laughs> exactly. It just has me shouting at the television all the time. Going, that wouldn't happen. So um, there's a concept in, in uh, TV and film production, which is m- what my undergrad degree is in, that, uh, for every film or TV show, you're allowed one suspension of disbelief. So if you use it up, you can no longer use it. So Harry Potter, the conceit is magic exists. That allows the whole story to be told. 
But once you start getting into the later books where it starts talking about time travel and all that nonsense, it starts breaking down because you're going, okay, no, uh, magic was fine, but don't tell me the time travel existed the entire time and no one's used it except for the sixth book. So you get one and you got to use it wisely. And some shows just <laughs> just consistently every episode are like, uh, wh- what if this was a thing? You're like, no, what if that wasn't? Stop being silly. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's Sarah. You, I don't want to be fussy because it's it's actually my sort of thing. You know, I yeah. I, I like Lee Child. I like um, Tom Clancy. All that sort of suspense and mm-hmm. thriller, and yeah, it's great. Um, but this is just such nonsense, <laughs> and and yet the reviews of it are, are really positive. You know, lots of people are really enjoying it. And uh, what the hell do I know? But. Um, that that again will now send me back into my shell and I'll avoid TV for another year. There is um, a new Tom Clancy thing out with, did you ever watch The American Office? Um, I saw, I saw, I think half a, half a series, yeah. Okay, so John Krasinski, who plays uh, the main, I've completely blanked on his name, uh, not Dwight. Pams. But the, the Ricky Gervais part. Uh, no, 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 that's Michael... Uh, I've forgotten his name as well. Uh, anyway, one of the primary characters of the American office is now starring in an Amazon uh, budgeted Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan remake. Mm-hmm. So get that out there. That uh, It was released on the 30-something of August there. I haven't seen it. I have seen it heavily advertised. but um, Yeah, I've, like, I've seen a trial for it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe that's something to watch in your in your tr- spare time. Yes, that that might be might be better. Perhaps I won't spit at the television quite so much. Um, listening, uh, this is kind of aspirational because you know that thing. I'm sure it happens to you as well when the show notes come through, and you think, "Oh, what? I'm not listening to anything. Listening I'm not reading books. anything." Yeah. Um, so, so Audible did well from me today. A couple of credits were were spent, um, and. I like to try and balance it. So I like to be listening to um, a sort of factual book and also a fiction. So okay, that's good. The factual one, uh, which I will start listening to tomorrow, um, is Shoe Dark um, by Phil Knight, uh, who uh, Phil Knight is Mr. Nike. Oh. Um, and well, that makes more sense. Tra- <laughs> yeah, he's traditionally been, been quite quiet. Uh, so this is sort of his version of of the birth of Nike. So I'm quite looking forward to that. The reviews mm. seem pretty strong. That's quite topical, actually, because Nike's in the news today. What's happened to Nike today? I'm so sorry. I'm they the supported, and I will not remember his name because it's American sports, and I don't remember British sports. Oh, I yes, know who you mean. The, the, the quarterback who the quarterback kneeled. who kneeled. Yeah. yeah. So they supported him, did a whole ad campaign around it, and so now people are burning. Nike products on social media and posting that for everyone to see. Nice. Yeah, so that's a nice non-toxic use of social media. Well, I'm guessing that Nike uh, are going by the whole um, any publicity is good publicity sort of approach. Yeah. Even um, if well, it's, it's a brave move, I suppose it's a very bold move to mm-hmm. sort of come come down firmly on one side of that debate. Rather they come down firmly than come down tepidly in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather well, they... people are burning their products on social media. I think it's quite a say strong response. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. I mean, they definitely got the uh, the pickup on social media. 
Oh, there we go. Mm. There you go, topical. Mm. Indeed, social media. It's, uh, social media is kind of what people do instead of doing anything that makes a difference. Yeah, but instead of... Perhaps that's me being cynical. Well, it's just a new avenue for complaints, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for, for moaning and whining and doing yeah. nothing. Like podcasts. <laughs> Listen, I'm an expert moaner and whiner. <laughs> and uh, some would say unparalleled in doing nothing. <laughs> what about you? You listening to anything good? Yeah, I actually got a new book the other day. Uh, I had frozen my Audible account because I wasn't listening all, to all the way through my books. So I had a little backlog to catch up on. So I froze the account about I don't know, three or four months ago and forgot about it because it wasn't charging me. And it unfroze today. The thaw began, ironically, given that we're mm-hmm. moving towards winter. And I was charged and I had a credit. And I thought, you know what? I do actually want a book. So on the recommendation of a colleague, got a book, a sci-fi book, shock horror, called We Are Legion, We Are Bob by Dennis E. Taylor, which is a really, really cool book. I'm not going into too much detail because I don't want to spoil it, but it's all about uh, von Neumann probes and space exploration and mind transference and AI and all kinds of transhuman kind of weird and wonderful body horror stuff. It's very, very good. It's very, very tongue-in-cheek. It's extremely well-written. Uh, the narrating narration is done by Ray Porter, who's a very talented voice actor. So the whole thing comes together really nicely. Cool. Um, once again, it's, it's another one that this whole sort of genre of sci-fi that you're dragging me into slowly, I, I must, uh, <laughs> must start catching up and listening to or reading some of this stuff. Yeah, what's good about this is I think there's three books in the series that are now released. He wrote them quite quickly. Uh, so the first book is about nine hours, and I think the other two are something comparable. But there's now a nice chunky little three-book season almost to read. So mm-hmm. I've liked this one. I'm chapter 10 or something now. I'm really enjoying it, so I think I may well speed through the other two. But what I find cool. is I'm actually listening to different things in different places. So I've got mm-hmm. one podcast or one audiobook for train uh, commuting, one book for reading in the house before I go to bed and another audiobook that I kind of swap out when I've got longer tasks to do. So I'm kind okay. of juggling yeah, three stories at once for different places, but perhaps that's an episode unto itself. It could be. Could be locational stuff, yeah. Um What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm talking of that. I've got a book that I'm reading just uh for that sort of Go to bed spell. Yes. Um, and given that I'm quite tired at the moment, that means I'm reading oh, maybe sometimes two or three paragraphs uh, <laughs> a night. Um, and given that it's quite a thick book, this could be going on for a while. Um, but it's a productivity book by uh, somebody not American. Oh. Right, which in itself is... Or, and, Didn't know sorry, that's possible. Not North American, because Canadians write quite a lot of productivity books. But, yeah. Um, this is a guy called Graham Alcott, who's written a book called The Productivity Ninja. Mm. Um, so there you are. I mean, how could you resist a title like that? Um, <laughs> and I have to say that the first few pages have been quite interesting. Um, I'm quite looking forward to reading a bit more. The blurb um, and the intro was fascinating. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and there's a picture on the front. And then I went to sleep. So who knows? <laughs> what about uh, L uh, Beverage? Uh, yeah, but this is a, a curious thing. Not much has changed in my life over the last month, <laughs> but 
as you know, I am going uh, on the Camino. That, yeah. That's coming up quite soon. And my subconscious has clearly sorted this out because all I have to do is walk past an outlet that may at some point be selling food and I am ravenous. <laughs> if you put down food within about 200 yards of me, I've eaten it before you've noticed it's missing. <laughs> Uh, there's some sort of subconscious carb loading going on. So um, I'm enjoying a Peroni. And uh, at some point when I when I hear you click into flow, I shall be meandering off to the fridge and getting myself another one. Mm, excellent. Uh, um, because I'm a big fan of uh, these these little bottles of Peroni. Are the little Very Peroniettes, nice the little teeny ones? No, they're not the teeny ones. They're the sort of um, uh, 330s. Yeah, oh, like so. a standard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a decent, decent handful. Yeah, I actually have one of those myself. I uh, liberated a Coors Light from the fridge, so I'm enjoying that. Um, That's wasn't... one of your stock of 14,000, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm down to about 32 now. So this is 31 left. Um, really good. Uh, it's it's very American beer, and that is not a, a negative point, but it is distinctive. Uh, so it is light. It is easy to drink. And it is not particularly characterful. So yeah, it's just good. If I, I didn't, I don't normally drink during the week, but I don't know. Got home, long day. Thought, you know what? Beer before podcast. Are you are you very politely saying it's like making love in a punt? I have absolutely no idea what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are lots of people perhaps a little older than you, laughing at this point, TJ. Um, it's a reference uh, to a phrase that will be familiar to everybody over 30, I would say. Um, you need to think of some synonyms. So um, uh, making love, there would be a rude synonym for that. Um, if you're in a punt, uh, then uh, there's a proximity to a certain element. Um so it would be something along the lines of effing close to water, oh, okay. uh, which is often how how uh, hard drinking rugby players refer to American beer. Ah, oh, right, I see, I see, I see. It's that healthy low alcohol thing, you see. <laughs> yeah, so you threw me with punt because <laughs> in uh, Ireland used to have the punt, which was the Irish pound. And Indeed. so when I grew up, it had the Irish pound. And so... It, even though that is a, a touchstone that is no longer relevant or helpful, that is the first place my brain went when you said the word. That's a well, really there's also There's also the whole gambling thing, isn't there? Having a punt. Yeah, yeah, which I think is a rugby euphemism. Uh, yes, uh, the kicking kicking a rugby ball is a punt. Yes, <laughs> there we go. Now we, now we we're, a, we're off down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> this is our uh, synonym podcast. Indeed, there, there are people now listening in Norway going, what the hell are they talking yeah, about? No idea. Yeah. So this doesn't translate very well if English is your second language. I'm so sorry. Oh, that, oh, oh, you've, that's reminded me of something. Um, a, <laughs> I got an email through the other day. I got a couple of emails through actually from Marcus, who I might reference later. Mm -hmm. uh, one of which was about um, the latest marketing campaign for Lithuania. Uh, and I will send you this for, for the show notes because uh, some bright spark has come up with the idea of describing Lithuania. And I kid you not, this is, you'll have to look at the link. 
He's describing Lithuania as the G-spot of Europe. <laughs> I mean, it's... You won't forget it. Indeed. Um, and, and the tagline is brilliant uh, i will i will after we finish recording i will dig out the uh, the link and send it to you but it is a brilliant campaign if if a little problematic perhaps in in certain <laughs> respects yeah it signs it yeah those those of a delicate disposition should probably give it a swerve okay so on that happy note parish notices um just this morning, uh, received a letter from a uh, Stephen Annette, uh, who's in Ludlow, which is in Shropshire, uh, mm-hmm. which I suppose for American uh, listeners, that's kind of in the middle, really, middle of England. Um, uh, fantastic little letter, and he was he was asking whether we'd ever done an episode about letter writing or sort of analog corresponding, huh. which I suppose we have tangentially, but not directly. You know what? It's going into the topics list right now. Well, there you go, you see. Um, so, yeah, that was a lovely uh, lovely little letter to get. It came on a very nice card, actually, um, which I've taken a photo of, and I will whiz over to you in due course. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. My your, your edits just came up on my screen. Very exciting. Oh, very nice. Yes, I should also say, before we move on, thank you very much for my little pencil package with stickers and pencils. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. If you've got the notebooks, you must have got the pencils. Mm-hmm. They are very nice, and uh, you can find the 1857 and Nero's Notes stickers and pencils on the Nero's Notes store, of course. Yeah, and the one thing I would say, because I still have the occasional customer who does this, if you just want a pack of field notes because you particularly like a pack of field notes, that's great, but just have a look at the shipping policies. <laughs> okay, because you could pick yourself out a couple of stickers or a couple of pencils, and it will cost you exactly the same as not picking out a couple of stickers and a couple of pencils because there is free shipping after 13 pounds and 50 pence so whatever you do don't buy a pack of notebooks at 12 pounds and pay 2 pounds shipping <laughs> buy yeah, a pack of notebooks really at 12 pounds buy a sticker at a pound buy a pencil at a pound and it's still going to cost you the same thing but you're going to get yep. more okay but you get some merch some merch. That's that's the word I was looking for. Merch. Um, yeah. So the other ones, the usual call. Uh, uh, anybody wants to join the Slack channel, uh, just send us a note or uh, tweet at us or uh, carrier else? pigeon works too. Yeah. Uh, send us a letter. Uh, any of those things. Um, I'm at uh, at Stu Lennon, and you are at Team Cosgrove. Is it Team underscore Cosgrove? That's Team what? underscore Cosgrove. Um, And also a little bit of shameless self-promotion. Sorry, a little bit more shameless (laughs) self-promotion. I'm uh, also blogging at the imaginatively titled StuartLennon.com, which is where I talk about other stuff. Um, And I've just noticed that my wife's phone is pinging like a mad thing in the background. Uh, So I must go and reunite her with that, or at least put it on silent. Uh, And that's kind of me for the parish notices. What about you? You got anything? I mean, I guess if we're doing the whole self-promotion thing, I should say that I have a Patreon and you should support it if you want to support Wooden Graphite videos. Uh, I'm making approximately two videos a month, uh, lots of mixed different kinds of content, trying to continue the stuff I'm doing and develop and and make the stuff that I'm proud of and that people want to see. So if you like my videos and you want to support it, have a look at the Patreon. There's a link in the description. 
uh, and you can maybe throw a few bucks my way if you can. Uh, if not, don't worry, the videos will still come out just at a later date. And but, how are you finding it, TJ? Are you back in the flow? Is it? Yeah, a little bit. Definitely better than it was in the past couple of months. Um, I uh, had a, a death in the family last month, which kind of threw me for, for six, which kind of just messed up the schedules. But, um, sure. it, you know, I'm okay now. And it was good to, it was good to be able to take some time and be with family and sort it out. But it just did kind of throw things off to the left a little bit. But, I sure. mean, I still managed to get uh, three videos, two videos uploaded. So it didn't really mess things up too much. It just kind of threw me behind the scenes a little bit. But uh, the next video I have is going to be an interesting one. I'll watch Stub Jars. And it's pretty much recorded and uh, VO is done, voiceover is done. So it's just a case of doing the edit and putting it out. So I'm hoping it should be out relatively soon. <laughs> Stop. We had a classic moment in, in the office this week, actually. Um, uh, anybody that uses Nero's Notes will know that uh, I work with a lady called Claire, who does all the dispatch and sends mm -hmm. out these beautifully wrapped packages, whereas I used to send out sort of very... <laughs> well, they were wrapped. Um, Claire, Claire does it nicely. Um, and uh, her daughter, Molly... Um, is uh, much more into stationery than her mum. And so when Molly comes in, uh, she and I geek out on, on pencils and notebooks. <laughs> and Claire sits there sort of eye-rolling at us. Um, but Molly sort of sidled up to me. Uh, I was at the end of last week, I think, and said, um, so you're going to Cyprus? I went, yes. Uh, she's 10, by the way. Um I said, um, what about the uh, the stub jar? You taking that? Which I thought was sweet on its own. What was scary was that I had to think about it. I was I was seriously considering whether I was going to wrap up my stub jar and put it in a container and transport it by sea across Europe. <laughs> So that and I you could naturally then... said, yes, of course I am. Don't be daft. Well, at, at, at that point, I thought, um, no, no, I'll, I'll probably leave it here. Will you look after it? And her face lit up. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> yeah, she, she's one of ours. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is a woman who knows her pencils, and she's already planning, I think, the, the progression <laughs> of what's going in there next, which is fabulous. Fill the jar. I had to do a double take, actually. Uh, friends of mine are... Uh, installing some artwork in one of my buildings in work and uh, I walked in and they were sort of working away on stuff and I had to do a double take because there was a nearest notes package on the table that was not mine and uh, yeah they, they'd ordered some pencils on my recommendation from yourself and uh, Claire had sorted them out and they had brought they reused the envelope for some bits and pieces uh -huh. and brought it in while they were installing and just, the logo popped out of the desk at me and I thought oh it's definitely not mine mine are at home <laughs> it's, so, yeah. I, the word is spreading thank, thank you for the recommendation and everybody listening <laughs> feel free to tell your friends too um, yeah no, share the love it's great with the um, the packaging and, and the, the love that Claire puts into them oh, uh, it's, it's the thing we get the most compliments on you know people call yeah. up and send emails just to just to say how delighted they were with the addressing and the packaging and stuff which is it's fantastic it's great well, there we are. Look at that. 30, 33 minutes, TJ. And we're almost at the topic. We've arrived somewhere in the middle. The thing is, we don't have a title for the topic. Well, we do. I just thought it'd be fun to have three symbols. 
It's reminiscent of Prince in the 90s. <laughs> the episode formerly known as. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so take us away, TJ. What are we talking about? Uh, the topic today is pine sign, pine sign, pine sign, which is like the dollar sign, but for the UK. You're just talking about my weight again, aren't you? That's it. A couple of days of overeating and that's it. Suddenly you're judging. <laughs> it's all right. We're all drinking uh, low-carb beer here. Uh, yeah, of course you are. Making love in a punt. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought the topic, and I think we both approached it fairly similarly. Um, cash, debit, credit, cash, money, dollar, dollar, bling, uh, whatever you call it, uh, I was struck by an experience today that made me think about how I use money and interact with it. I'm not talking about savings or ICEs or leases or whatever kind of savings vehicle you may have uh, or your income or anything like that. I'm talking about how you physically interact with uh, currency on a daily basis uh, because it's a very changeable thing and it's also something that varies widely between people uh, and it's something that I'm I'm considering at the minute because... I'm not sure that it's optimized, and I think I could do better. So I got out of the car at the train station this morning. Meg dropped me off, and I got onto the train and went to press play on the uh, audiobook in my pocket and realized that my wallet was not in the other one, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a faff. Now, I have a train ticket on my phone. Uh, I work in an office five minutes from the train station. Uh, I have food and coffee in my office. I do not require cash to make my day, but it was still this really weird sense of, oh dear, oh no, oh, I can't, um, I do not like having, not that. So it really, it surprised me how much that it frightened me that I didn't have access to cards, cash, or any kind of currency because I haven't even got like Apple Pay or Google mm-hmm. Pay or anything set up on my phones. So literally, I have no way to pay for anything unless I'm doing like a an online transaction. Sure. And it was just a really weird sense of uh, fragility, I guess, or... or Vulnerability. Impairment. Yeah, it's it was very strange. And I, I didn't realize that I felt like that until I felt like that. And mm-hmm. I mean, the majority of what I spend my money on during work weeks is garbage that I don't need, like going to the shop and buying a different sandwich or going and buying a drink or a coffee or something. And I try to limit that. But, you know, the majority of my spending is that I buy groceries at the weekend and bring in them into work and have a nice little stash in my office. You know, I don't tend to eat out all the time, so I don't need money. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't have it, I immediately wanted it. So because I had I didn't have the facility to buy anything, I immediately wanted to buy things. And it was this weird sense of, like, I could go three or four days without going to the shop at all. But the one day I can't go to the shop is the day I want to. Well, for sure. I mean, it it was always, I mean, I think uh, there's probably a generational thing here. But, um, you know, the, it, every time I walk out of a door, uh, I will tap my back pocket to see if my wallet is there. Yeah. Whereas I think now probably people are more likely to check, to tap their phone pocket. To make sure the phone is there. The phones are there, yeah. Um, um, but being without either is, uh, I think this day, it's just desperately uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> it is. It's weird. And it has changed. I mean, I think for me, I've got a very 
uh, relaxed attitude to it, but because I had to learn one, I suppose, when I was traveling a lot. Yeah. Um, initially, when when we traveled, you would always take local currency with you. You would you would source it, which for me was quite easy because I worked in that business. Um, yeah. And and you would have some with you because you didn't know when you landed in, you know, at Sofia or Prague or Budapest, you know, would you be able to get into town, get a taxi or do whatever it was you needed to do next just with a credit card or with um, sterling. Yeah. Um, and so it was quite a sort of, I was always quite nervous and everybody I knew that traveled always had um, a stash of cash with them. And then as time went on, you, you became more familiar with the places you were going. So you knew where the ATMs were, you knew whether they generally worked you knew if there was more than one mm -hmm. uh, you knew if you were able to actually say to the taxi driver but look just swing by an atm in town because i need to get some cash you, you just became more familiar and i think also technology moved on and um certainly all of the places that i always thought mm, yeah they're a bit cash centric actually very quickly became very similar to to everywhere else and there were atms yeah. on every corner and you could you know uh, within a few years you could start using cards and cabs although you know, that was still a bit dubious um <laughs> and so now i i'm probably less worried about it and having said that i do have uh, apple pay and i've got a couple of cards uh, attached to that um i do have debit card with me all the time I usually have a credit card with me um, and I usually have some cash as well. Um, I try and sort of cover all the bases. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm going on a trip uh, next week. I'm going to Spain uh, where it's all about uh, sort of minimalism and living quite basically. So I will have, uh, again, I'm in a very privileged position. So I've got a debit card belonging to a, a euro account. Um, it's not a Spanish account, it's a Cypriot account, but nevertheless, it will, uh, get me currency without incurring charges or uh, yeah. foreign exchange rates. Um, I will probably still have a credit card secreted away somewhere. Uh, the, what if everything goes wrong card? Yeah. The safety card. Yep. Uh, and actually because I'm, uh, I'll be using my Apple watch to sort of chart how far we walk and everything. Uh, for that to work, I'll have to have my iPhone with me. And within that, I've got a couple more cards in, on Apple Pay. So uh, I think it's it's quite easy now to be to be covered off. Um, yes. But obviously, it still doesn't work if you leave everything behind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that is literally the first time I've left my wallet at home uh, in a long, long time, years. Uh, because I carry two phones for work. Well, I carry one phone for work and one phone for, for personal life. Mm -hmm. So I leave the house with a wallet, a pencil, keys, two phones and a notebook every day. Never mind change and all the other gumph. But sure. this was the first day. I don't know why. I must have been distracted or something. But I just didn't put the wallet in my pocket. It was just left in the drawer. And so, yeah, really weird sensation. But I mean, I I find I use a lot of debit card. Right, mm -hmm. I, I use my debit card an awful lot, and contactless is both a blessing and a curse. So uh, I don't know if they have it in the states. Basically, it's like you tap and that's it. So mm -hmm. it's an NFC chip that enables payments, basically like Apple Pay but on a card. So we can do that 
almost everywhere now. I mean, I, it's it's rare to get a a chip and pin machine or a shop that doesn't have contactless. Sure. And if it doesn't, it's got chip and pin, so you can do it anyway. But I mean, you can now pay for anything under thirty pounds by just tapping the card on the side of a box, and that's that makes it extremely easy to spend money without taking any kind of awareness. And when you match that with like a an element of lifestyle creep and disposable income, it's very easy to spend money on stuff that you didn't really consider or really care about. And, you know, you look at your bank statement, you go, I spent £30 on nothing. Just nothing whatsoever. And it's just a waste. But I find that it's very easy to do that. And so I'm trying and I'm experimenting with different things, saying, right, well, what if I only carry cash for those incidental expenses? And then it's a lot easier because you don't want to break a £10 note to buy a packet of chewing gum if you don't need chewing gum. Sure. There's a sense of uh, you want to retain the the paper notes in your in your wallet. So, well, the the more friction there is to spending, then the more yes. intentional spending becomes. Yes, and that's where contactless, I think, has has um, tripped me up a little bit. It's but, almost like they're trying to make money out of us, TJ. Yeah, I know. It's just um, if only we lived in a socialist paradise. Uh, indeed. Um, <laughs> I have a credit card as well, which I use infrequently sometimes uh, i use it a lot when i travel so i've traveled to the south of france and china in the last year for work uh, both times i was able to just use my card like a local card it's just a mastercard credit card uh, but i don't get charged any fees for withdrawing cash in foreign currencies i just get charged at the daily exchange rate which i'm sure is not the best rate but it's mm-hmm. it's decent and it's easier than getting money transferred and bringing it and transferring it back and all that nonsense. And it's also a credit card, so I'm protected. It's not my money. Uh, so it's a really good way for me to go and just fly to China with maybe, I don't know, 300 yen in my pocket and then just land and lift what I need when I need it from the cash machine. Sure. And um, again, this is very UK specific, I suspect, but Certainly mm-hmm. if you buy holidays or any large purchases, use the credit card, DJ. Don't use a debit card. Use a credit card because then you're protected under the Consumer Credit Act. And mm-hmm. so if um, you know the holiday company goes bust and you've uh, paid with your debit card or by bank transfer, then you have uh, fewer rights than you do if yes. you paid by credit card. So yeah. That's that's the only real thing I use credit cards for is when it makes more sense or things like online purchases. You have more protection with a credit card, which is yeah, no, yeah, counterintuitive and pretty stupid, but <laughs> that's the way it is. It's it's almost like it's safer when you're using someone else's money to buy things. Sure, I suppose there's an undeniable logic to that as well. Um, but yeah, we we use our credit card. Megan has one that she barely uses. We've just started putting all of our groceries on it mm-hmm. because I wanted to better track what we were actually spending on groceries. And what I was finding was that it was kind of disappearing into the debit card statement. Uh, so she doesn't use her credit card for anything else. So we now put all of our groceries on that and then we just clear it once we get paid. Sure. So we just split the bill and pay the groceries off. Um, so it's about trying to manage how and where we spend and I think different mediums do that differently, and some do better than others. Absolutely, and I think um, you know, never has the choice 
been as wide as it is now. Um, so when you sent the show notes through, you put a note down for uh, Monzo.com, Monzo Bank. Yes, it was a my sister-in-law's husband mm-hmm. had uh, just got his card and showed me his. Yeah, I mean, it was very odd, but I was looking at, uh, I had an email inviting me to uh, a sort of jobby job conference, but it's mm-hmm. on while I'm in Spain, so it's not something I can attend. Yeah. But I did see mention of um, a bank who were going to be presenting, and it was a bank I'd never heard of. So yeah. um, I looked them up. Uh, they're called Starling Bank. And uh, having briefly had a look at the link you sent through on Monzo, um, yeah. they're, they're identical models, I think. They're probably about four miles apart in London. Um, and uh, out of curiosity more than anything else I was sitting again for Jobby Job I was sitting in a car park at 7 o'clock in the morning um, for my 8 o'clock meeting (laughs) thinking hmm misjudged that traffic a little bit Um, (laughs) and I thought okay well I'll have a look at this bank and three minutes later I had a bank account Um, wow and I hadn't spoken to anybody human. Uh, the process was, from the point of view of somebody who works in compliance, um, it was astonishing. Uh, I filled in uh, a few basic details, and then I could almost hear the system go off and check against different credit registers, etc. I'm pretty sure I know where they went to look. Um, then I had to upload a little video of myself, which they use for authentication. So mm-hmm. you look at the camera and say, hi, I'm I'm Stuart and I'm a customer. Um, they give you a text to read and they hold that. And so if you are phoning them up to do anything, they can authenticate you through the camera, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then they uh, asked me to upload a piece of ID. So uh, in the UK, that would be pretty much always the driver's license would be the one you have with yeah. you. Uh, and literally half an hour later, the sort of second stage verification came through, said, yep, your debit card's on its way, and uh, I'm expecting wow. it to fall through the door any day. Um, all managed through the mobile phone. They have no branches. Uh, you, they they don't have a website to speak of. They have a website that sort of directs you to the mobile app. Um, and, yeah, it's it's... Some would say it's what banking should be. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had a couple of interactions with them, just checking how different SIM cards would affect the service, etc. Because once once I'm traveling into Cyprus and back, I'll probably be using multiple SIM cards. Uh, and yeah, excellent interaction. Uh, really good sort of call centers uh, and online chat. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. By the same token... Um, They've screwed up one of my payments. <laughs> so uh, it's early days, I think you would say. Um, yeah. But the, the feeling around the the bank and around social on the banks is all very, very positive or extraordinarily negative. Um, where somebody, you've got a lot of people who, who are signing up who are very supportive of what the bank is trying to do or appears to be trying to yeah. do. Um, and then you've got other people who are you know, disappointed that they're not getting HSBC level services for for no money because the other thing about these banks is they don't charge you. Yeah. 
Um, so it's really interesting because again, that that's immediately that's attached to my Apple Pay. Um, hmm. They're sending me a debit card, not a credit card, which is great. Um, and yeah, I would say I'm very optimistic about it. Seems to be what do they call them? Disruptor banks, and hopefully yeah. they will disrupt. I mean, it's quite interesting. I like the idea. I don't know if Starling Bank is the same, but the Monzo one basically starts chopping up what you spend your things on and grouping yep. it for you yep. and doing the little uh, pie charts, which is, I think, a really, really helpful thing because I can do that any day, any time. I can look at the data and do that. I don't because I'm a lazy human being. Hmm. If someone was able to give me graphs, I will look at graphs and go, hmm, I spent too much on groceries or I spent too much on Pepsi Max. I should probably not do that. It's a lot easier to digest if someone else does the legwork. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where they're coming from is they they suggest to you that you might want to set up some targets, that you might want to set yeah. up some savings goals um, just to sort of get the ball rolling because that data is obviously you know desperately easy to produce um, if mm-hmm. you've built your system to do that, which clearly these guys have. And, uh, you know, I, I think it will do very, very well. And I'm, I'm also certain that the big four here in the UK will will respond and try and match it. Yes. Uh, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what, what impact it has on the banking market. And, you know, these guys are, um, are after business as well. So I've opened a business account for, for Nero's Notes. Um, mm. And what's really quite nice is that these banks have very realistic, target so they're not expecting me to switch all of my business into their account they're aware that you know i'm going to want to sniff them out and try a few things and see how things proceed what they can and can't do yeah Um, there's there's a couple of integrations that i'm waiting for i need i need my bank account to sync with my accountancy package because uh, for the same reason you just said, I'm a lazy human being. And if I can have that done for me, um, <laughs> yeah. it takes out a lot of the friction of balancing the books. So um, they're, they're very relaxed about that. And they say, well, yeah, just you know, put some in here and you maybe use it for um, paying salaries. So it's an extra step. But uh, my main, if you like, personal account wants to start charging me £15 a month for having a bank account. Yeah, uh, my business account wants to charge uh, five pounds fifty for having a bank account, and then a charge on everything that I do. So yeah, pretty pretty quickly there are savings of two hundred and fifty, three hundred, four hundred pounds a year. You know that's that's significant. Nothing to be sniffed up. That that buys quite a lot of Pepsi Max. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever drunk Pepsi Max? Um, probably not. No, yeah. I wouldn't have thought so. I'm, I, I, I haven't drunk a sugary drinks other than sort of beer. Um, for a very long time actually, I I tend to drink the diety ones. I'm not wild about those. Well, either, see, Pepsi honest. Max, yeah, Pepsi Max is full of aspartamine, aspartame, however you want to say it. Oh, is it? Uh, it is zero calorie and super high end chemical additives. I'm not sure, but I'm I'm. I've got a feeling that's probably not good for you. Oh, no, it's distinctly worse, I think, than sugar. But uh, alas, this is where we find ourselves. <laughs> oh, well, if you're going to have a vice, I guess there are worse ones. He said, thinking yeah. about sneaking to the, the fridge to get another beer. <laughs> I'll allow it. 
And um, is this, you know, sort of whole budget and lifestyle creep? Is is that just the thinking about the house and about the wedding? Is that all sort of yeah, feeding I mean, into daily life? Now? I'm, I've always been pretty good with money balancing. I've never had loads of it, but I've always been very good at managing what I do have. And since getting my jobby job, I've had more disposable income than ever before. And I probably save over two thirds of it. We're in a very uh, wonderful position at the minute where we're staying with family. So we don't have to spend money on rent Mm -hmm. and our grocery bills and other things are low. So I save a substantial amount of what I earn. And that goes directly to the the deposit for our house. It goes towards the wedding. It goes towards uh, paying for, you know, the the terrible junk that I call my car downstairs. Um, There's a lot of things that I want to organize and sort out. Um, I don't really have any debt apart from my student loan because I was very, very careful to manage things and make sure that I wasn't taking loans out when I didn't need it. So I'm in a pretty good position, uh, but I always like to optimize and I know that I'm probably doing better than a lot of people and that it's quite an envious position. And I'm very aware that it's a, it's a good position to be in, but I, I still am not complacent. I don't want to just say, yeah, it's grand. I can do that. If I could be saving, like you say, five fifty a month by not buying this thing or making it harder to buy the thing that I really don't need or want, then I'll have more money at the end of the day, which I can then invest in house, car, family, whatever it needs be. I'd rather optimize how I spend and where I spend my money to get the most enjoyment out of however many years I have. This is all fantastically well adjusted. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's almost like I'm an adult. It's weird. Uh, I should probably say something irresponsible. There's going to be some irresponsible crash coming. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just buy a Ferrari or something. (laughs) Absolutely. Midlife crisis at at 29 or something. (laughs) Here's hoping. (laughs) <laughs> stay that long <laughs> um yeah but i mean I, I like i like optimizing systems right and i like thinking about things as i'm sure you're well aware so you know that monzo bank and things like that that's a good way for me going hmm, what if i took all my disposable spending all my fun money that i spend on things that aren't you know life preserving and i put it into that mm-hmm. and i paid for it with that and then it will track where i'm spending that and yeah. maybe I want to spend fifty pounds a month on Pepsi Max, but maybe I should spend less or none. Well, as you say, I mean, if the the whole point or the joy of having these amazing tools for measuring data is that you can measure the data and make informed choices. Yes, yeah, so that you it. know, you know where your money is going. I mean, I, I have to. I'm I'm in awe of your discipline. I'm fan fantastically talented at spending money i mean that wow uh, i am world class at spending it um but i have and i have no idea where this comes from because both of my my parents uh were pretty frugal and, yeah. and would be would be purring at the way you were speaking perhaps I've, I've reacted to that in some way but i'm incredibly <laughs> relaxed about money it, it literally comes into one hand and goes out of the other um, I've never got any real idea of how that's happened, um, <laughs> and and curiously, I, I've never been that worried about it. I've always had not mm-hmm. because I'm desperately wealthy and stuff, because I'm not, and, and I haven't been. But um, I've always sort of just felt okay. Um, oh, I need more money. I'll go work more, 
and <laughs> yeah, um, you know, often had two, three jobs. Uh, I don't know where it comes from. This sort of, I just have a complete disregard for it, um, which is unfortunate when you marry a sort of um, an Italian, sorry, Sicilian woman with a much more disciplined approach to money. Um, it, it can cause um, <laughs> the occasional outbreak of conflict where, uh, like I say, it's just, it's just not something that, that occurs to me. And okay, I'm touch wood, I'm okay. But, um, you know, as I think we, we might touch on uh, in, in the next episode, there, there is, uh, I suppose, within me now, there's a sort of mm, looking to the future type element that's beginning to to come where I've been, you know, freewheeling for a while since, since I sold my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, just through a natural sort of cycle, uh, I'm coming to a point where I'm beginning to make the sort of noises that you're making and looking at, um, you know, what cash is coming in, what cash is going out, yeah, how that might optimize. But um, it's, I'm really, I was really, really encouraged by, these banks like i said i don't think they know what they're doing yet and and i do think that they are <laughs> learning as they go um yeah. and ultimately of course the question that i ask because i'm a cynical old fellow is okay what is the model here how how are you hoping to make money because if you don't yeah. make money then you're not going to last um and if you do make money it's going to be out of me so i'd just like to understand how that's going to happen yeah um and so it'll be interesting to see um, and I have my my feelers out with some people who who would would have looked at this uh, and will have an idea of what's happening and how it happens. But I'm really encouraged just to see that because I think the more power that's given to the consumers, um, to people like like us, then the more chance people have got of getting it right. And uh, right now, in in uh, certainly in the UK at the moment, there's this huge um, this came up in the jobby job the other day. A PPI, I'm sure you're aware of, TJ. You've, yep, you've had the yep. phone calls and everybody in Britain's had the phone calls. Uh, payment protection insurance. So for our American listeners, very briefly, uh, during the 90s, uh, probably the 80s as well, uh, anybody in the UK that took a loan was sold payment protection insurance. Now, when I say they were sold it, they probably didn't know they were being sold it. Many of them didn't know it was included but they were essentially being charged for an insurance policy that was absolutely no use to them at all. And the government uh, eventually passed uh, or or ruled that, in fact, this stuff had been missold. Uh, And so an entire industry sprung up, uh, which essentially phones TJ and I and everybody else in the country on a daily basis saying, have you claimed your payment protection, which you were undoubtedly charged. Give us your name and we will find all of your bank accounts, all of your loans, and we'll find out if you were charged anything. We will then sue the banks for it. We'll keep 92% of the money, um, give you a postage stamp and a cold beer. Um, I may be exaggerating a little bit with the division there, but that's essentially how it worked. And the banks have been setting aside billions of pounds because they've been settling with all of these claims. And quite rightly too, they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing and they're getting their comeuppance. The irony is that several of those banks are now owned by the taxpayer because we bailed them out of the financial crisis um, 
after Lehman Brothers. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> so we're kind of suing ourselves, but this is a distinction that's lost on many people. But anyway, the ruling has now been made that pretty much a year from now, the 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 windows are closed. You can no longer claim PPI. Uh, so you now have these big companies who are sitting there going, right, who do we go after next? And the latest target is payday lenders. So um, famously on, on TV now, uh, Wonga.com just went mm-hmm. bust or has gone into administration. Yep. And the reason it's gone into administration is because these firms have come to them and said, I've got 25,000 customers who are hitting you because you sold them the wrong policies or um, you, you know, broke rule A, B or C. And again, I think Wonga was doing some very nasty things. And you could say it deserves what it gets. Um, I would point out that the people that were doing it sold up a couple of years ago and are currently living it up with millions. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, they are not going to be impacted by, by this, but the new owners have, have put the company into administration. And any company that was involved in, in lending um, or payday lending is now going to be pursued by these people. And that's going to have huge knock-on effects and, you know, the ins and outs, the rights and wrongs of it are all, all, all quite complicated. But it's, um, to me, it's really interesting to see the way that consumers or the, the pendulum has swung towards the consumer, where consumer mm-hmm. rights now seem to champion above corporate rights. I might hate the way it's being executed and the way that certain corporates are, uh, I think, re-abusing the customers but but nevertheless um, (laughs) this sort of stuff would have been unthinkable 25 years ago it it just would not have happened and a lot of that is because of of data it's because of data protection it's because of an understanding of of data Mm -hmm. Um, and just one quick little tangent that I want to go down because I heard it on a podcast today Uh, the difference between an Android phone and an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get this right. The Android phone next to the iPhone on a desk over a day, if you and I have equal data allowances, you will burn through yours on Android much faster than I will on iPhone purely by us leaving our phones on the desk. Ah, Be- because of like passive collection? Yeah, because the, the Android phone is checking into Google uh, on average 14 times an hour. Jeez. If, that's if, you've got all of your location services turned off. It's ah. still checking in 14 times an hour. Which is just astonishing to me. Absolutely astonishing. And in fairness to them, a podcast that is usually very frothy. I mean, it is very pro Apple, I have to say, but, um, yeah. called iMore, you know, the, the whole business is about supporting Apple to a certain extent. But these guys, I think, have a, a degree of, um, credibility. Um, and, and it's usually very frothy and funny and, you know, how to put rabbit ears on your photos. And it's all sort of, you know, quite, quite lightweight stuff. But 
(laughs) even these guys were just incredulous of this. Um, And yeah, it, it, it does make you think because Google is, you know, repute, well, reputedly, not reputedly, Google makes it difficult for you to stop giving your data. Yeah. And, and even if you've switched everything off and then you do an update, everything gets switched back on again and you've got 14 pages of settings to try and work out how to do it. Um, and, you know, it will only take, as I think we've mentioned before, it'll only take a little corporate upheaval for Apple to be doing exactly the same thing, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, that that's the new battleground. That's where um, all of this um, data and consumer rights thing, that's where that battle is going to be fought next, is all around how much data is being taken by whom for what. Yeah. Uh, and, and what it's being used for, which, you know, I think we've seen the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, I think it's only beginning. In a desperate attempt to bring it all back to money, <laughs> um, a lot of what these banks are doing, even these new banks, and this is where I sort of touched on it earlier, your, where you're spending money data and your graphs, that's their business model. Yeah, they're selling that to other people. Yeah, they're trying to understand your usage of money so that, again, they can find a way of making it even easier for you to buy Pepsi Max. Yeah. Um, as you said, whether that be, you know, something like wrist pay or, you know, just you just flick your eyes in a certain direction and a bottle yep. of Pepsi Max appears. If um, only. <laughs> <laughs> Nirvana has been achieved. <laughs> but in the meantime, it is really convenient, isn't it? It's just... Just scary thinking about what the price might be. Yeah, the, I mean, there is a the price you pay for convenience is you'll do it more, and so if it's a, a, a behavior that is borderline negative positive, then there are serious ramifications to being able to do it without any effort whatsoever. So, hmm, we have another section in our show notes, but I do believe. Like many episodes, this is a, a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Bitcoin. Um, I don't know where we are with Bitcoin. The last I heard, it was it was on its way down. It uh, tanked. It, it it rose to astronomical levels, then tanked, then sort of rallied, and then tanked is a strong word, but it did dip, and now it's kind of just normalizing in the mediocrity. Yeah, so one Bitcoin currently equals 5,714 Great British Pounds. Well, there we are. I'll have two. Um, yeah, I mean, because of the jobby job, um, I did some investigation into into what it is and how it works. Because uh, if you ask 50 people, um, you'll get sort of 48 honest answers, which is, I haven't got a clue. Uh, and then two people uh, who will talk absolute rubbish at you. Um Bitcoin is is a scam, and uh, my apologies to anybody out there who's um, heavily invested in bit, Bitcoin. Um, it's nonsense. It's rubbish. Get out of it. Um, blockchain, on the other hand, is very interesting, and that's the technology that underpins Bitcoin. Um, and I think that will have uh, important ramifications and, and possibly a, a long-term role. Um, but it won't be as a currency, and it won't be as an ultimate store of value. 
the premise behind that, and again, uh, this is a different show, I think, but the premise behind it is is false. Uh, it makes no sense. But the technology itself is very clever. So um, perhaps we will come back to that and talk about that. Mm, um, but yeah, the final thing I would say about cash was this is one that uh, James, uh, who I was in business with, and I have have laughed about many, many times. And uh, the client that I was with last week, who's still um, in in foreign exchange in one way or another. Yeah. I got into to foreign exchange bureau de change in, in 88 and was told then that, you know, these were the golden years and um, cash was at its peak and we should make the most of it and we'd all be out of a job in a couple of years. Um, and then in 1998, again, you know, we, we knew that the, the age of cash was over. Um, we had a multi-million pound business that existed pretty much purely on cash, but it wasn't real, was it? Well, actually it was. And in 2008, it was also real. And in 2018, it's real. I mean, if you look at the UK market for, for Bureau de Change, there are two companies at the moment aggressively uh, buying and opening new Bureau de Change all over the UK. Um, one of them is actually an Irish firm, but, uh, cash is still king, not, not just in the UK, but in many, many places. And, uh, it is incredibly convenient for all sorts of reasons. Um, one of which is the one that makes everybody a bit nervous in that it's quite anonymous. Um, you know, if I give you a 50 pound note that I have transferred the value of 50 pounds to you. Um, and neither of us needed to develop a supercomputer to do that, um, which is the premise behind Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is just cash, but not as efficient. Um, it's, it is a real challenge because there is something, not just criminals don't want everybody to know their business. I didn't say that very well, but I think you know what I mean. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how, how it goes because I remember going to Sweden and Norway and we said, oh, cash, no, nobody does it here. Yeah. I tell you what, you tell a restaurateur that you'd like to pay in cash, watch his little face light up. There was plenty of cash business going on. We had money transfer, uh, outlets in Finland and Sweden and Norway and Denmark. Um, and they were all very busy. So, uh, you know, I don't think cash is going anywhere just yet, um, but it'll be interesting to see how we how we move it around. Yeah, I think that's a very fair summation of the episode. Well, there we are. Well, in that case, it remains only to say I've been Stuart Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past the present in the future. This was $18,057. <laughs>